Hey, welcome once again to the football pandemic. Championship games are over. All that's left is the Super Bowl. But we have some stuff to break down. We have some stuff to lament, some stuff to mourn. Stick with us as we look back and look forward. All right, guys. Well, we're coming out of championship weekend, one of the most exciting weekends uh, for the most teams and most fans, because once you get to Super Bowl, it's mainly two fan bases and then anybody who decides I'm going to root for those guys. Uh, But uh, this last weekend, we had four teams and it was good. But before we get into breaking down last week's games, before we get into looking forward to the Super Bowl, I want to talk about some of the things that have been going on around the league and some of the other teams that are now eliminated with stuff going on. Tristan, what do we got to start off with today? Yeah, so uh, I think we'll start out with some of the rumor mill. The Matt, the looks like the Lions and Matthew Stafford are parting ways. Yes, it does. Do you think the Colts are a, a prime suspect to potentially trade for him? Well, I think uh, everywhere you read, I, I don't care which NFL analyst you look at. If you look at Bleacher Report, you look at Good Morning Football, you look at uh, NFL, yeah, I don't care who you look at right now. The number one team that they think has a chance at Matthew Stafford is the Colts. And they list all the reasons, you know, the Colts have a young rushing uh, duo back there with uh, Naheem Hines and um Jonathan Taylor and, you know, who knows what we'll do with Marlon Mack, but we've got great offensive line that any quarterback would want to stand behind. We have uh, an up and coming defense that's getting better and uh, they look at all the parts and they say they're only a quarterback away. So all offseason long, I anticipate no matter what quarterback is being talked about, Colts will be in that list somewhere, if not at the top. Matthew Stafford appears at the top, I think, for a couple reasons. Deshaun Watson will never get to Indy. And so he will never be like, oh, Colts are top for him. And so they look around, who who else is there? And uh, Matthew Stafford is a is a good quarterback who's been in a bad system, a bad team, bad offensive line, bad GM drafting, you know, whatever it is, they just have not been good. Uh, but he's been he's been pretty consistently good even through their horrible years. And so people are saying, you know, if he had the rest of this team around him like the Colts have, and he's played in a lot of systems, he uh, probably has played in systems very similar to Frank Reich's. And so uh, they see a lot of possibility there. Now the question comes in, what's Ballard thinking? Is Ballard thinking... Yeah, we need to uh, do whatever we need to do to get a quarterback. That's one question, because we don't know how much it's going to take to get Matthew Stafford. Their trade talks are open. We don't know what the price is going to be. And I know Ballard's a frugal guy. Is he looking toward the future, toward the young guy? I still think... Uh, where we're at in the draft, you know, I, I was looking today, you know, they were talking about what quarterbacks could go where. And there was uh, a lot of talk about fields could go fourth. Could a fourth get all the way down to 21? I doubt it. Um, not with all the quarterback needy teams, but I highly anticipate Ballard this year will do just what he did last year. And that is get a veteran quarterback on free agency and draft a young quarterback somewhere hoping to be able to develop uh, whether Eason, you know, ends up coming up who was our fourth round draft last year, or uh, they draft one this year somewhere, you know, depending on who falls to them or does not fall to them and who they decide to take a chance on middle rounds. And so I, I think it could be Matthew Stafford. I think Matthew Stafford has said he's eyeing the Colts pretty heavily. And I think that's where a lot of this talk comes from. I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah. I mean, there's obviously a lot of different quarterbacks on the market more than usual. I mean, yeah. think back to when the Bears traded for Jay Cutler. He was the best quarterback on the market back then mm-hmm. years ago. And and now there's all these different options. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, maybe. And that's one that I've also know. heard. Nope. If Aaron Rodgers leaves and I here's here's the thing. Yeah, Green Bay has said, we're not stupid. We're not doing that. And but Aaron Rodgers has not like made a cement like I'm gonna be here. His his remarks well, yeah, yes he has. He did yesterday did. on the Pat McAfee show. He says, unless the organization trades me away this offseason, I am a Green Bay Packer next season. But what he's not saying is I'm going to ask for a bigger contract with more money and they're going to have to do it at my request. And he'll he make it. He also a- said that on the Pat McAfee show, he is not going into contract negotiations. He really? said both of those things. He said he's yes. not asking for a new contract. Because yes. I heard opposite. AJ Hawk asked him about contract negotiations. Aaron yeah. said that would be dumb for me to do. Now, if there's a restructure on his contract that's different than saying you're going to give me more money. A restructure meaning what? 
think even he less? Take less money, money to bring people in. You think he would do that? I don't think he would do that. <laughs> but he said he's not going in for more money. Well, that's that's encouraging for Green Bay fans. I I truthfully don't see him ever leaving there. Well, not after an MVP year. I do see him ever if he still wants to play. But yeah, I know. I mean, my my predictions were after next season would be the first logical time we could part with him based on how his current contract is structured, where we wouldn't have to eat close to $60 million of cap space over two seasons. Getting rid of him this season would be dumb. Aaron knows that. He's confirmed he's not leaving. He's not going to change his contract for this season. The Packers CEO, uh, Mike Murphy, and Matt LaFleur have both said that Rodgers is going to be back. Whoever's reading into it, you're obviously reading the wrong stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're I mean, pretty safe. If you're Rodgers, like, you got to tell Green Bay, look, like, help me out here. Give me, I mean, you have Devontae Adams, sure, but outside of that, like, Tampa did a pretty good job of taking away Devontae Adams. Alan Lazard and Marquez Valdez-Scantling is not enough. You, you've got to have more weapons. Look at what Tom Brady has in weapons. He, you know, Tampa brought him in, and they gave him what he wanted. They gave him, they traded for Gronk. They brought in Antonio Brown, and look at where they are. That was the better team. They got the win. And if you're Rodgers, you got to say, please, just help me out. Don't draft my replacement. I think that move still speaks volumes to this Rodgers-Packers relationship potentially going awry here in the near future. It's a long off season. We still don't know. A move could happen. I'm just being hopeful because Aaron Rodgers has made my fandom a living nightmare. <laughs> so it, it, part of it might be hopeful, but it's not crazy with some of these talks swirling around. They, they're saying all the right things right now, but who knows if that endures through the whole offseason. So so here's the thing with Aaron. Tristan said you can talk about all offseason, but all, all this season and last season, Aaron has talked about how satisfied he was with this organization. He's talked about how? the progress. That, I'm sorry, but how? Well, do you know Aaron? <laughs> who did they bring in? Have you watched any of Aaron's videos? <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, I, I know he, no, I mean, I've heard him on, oh he's been on the Levitard show. I've heard him. He's an interesting guy. He's, you know, speaks fairly candidly. He's not this robot quarterback that just says, you know, the, the cliche quarterback things, but like, man, when you look at a, a roster building standpoint after last year, they were pretty well outclassed in that NFC championship game against the Niners. What did they do? They had one player active from that draft class in that championship game. All right, here, all right, I'm going to stop you right there. Here's the thing. If you think a rookie is going to come in and immediately change the entire face of your franchise, you are sorely mistaken. I don't care who you're talking about. Very rarely. Jonathan Taylor did all right all, for us. All rookies come in and immediately make a difference. I have one player that I think would have actually made a difference, and that's Justin Jefferson. If you're going to say that all of these other players were going to come in and completely change this Green Bay offense, you're wrong. We had more faith in our developmental guys than we did in these rookies in the draft class. It was a historic draft class for receivers. Multiple guys came in. Even Darnell Mooney, he was in a bad Bears offense and still was really pretty productive. I mean, all these guys, you bring them into Green Bay as the second guy less attention, you know, from Devontae Adams getting covered, getting really game-planned against, and then that opens up so much for that second guy if he's really good. So many guys in this 2020 wide receiver class I think could have made a really significant impact. They had the they had the chance, and they took Rodgers' replacement. And I think Rodgers would agree with you. He would have rather had, even if they didn't make the impact, like Brandon's saying, I think Aaron Rodgers himself was pretty vocal about, I want a receiver. Yeah. And uh, I bet you, I bet you this year we see a receiver go really early. To Green Bay? Yeah, to Green Bay. Um, I think as part of a nod toward, okay, we're going to try and help you out here. We've already got your replacement. <laughs> now we're going to try and help you out, help him out too sometime, somewhere down the road. I think we're going to attack the free agency market more yeah. and look for a veteran guy. Uh, again, my, my idea, and I'm sure this isn't a new thought, that rookies will not change the face of your franchise. If Green Bay lands someone like Allen Robinson in free agency, that will change what your offense looks like. If you bring in a rookie receiver and tell me he's better than Allen Robinson, I want to see who that rookie receiver is going to be. It takes these rookies, on average, two to three years to adjust to the NFL. It depends where you're drafting. First, second, even third round. You're looking for, for guys to start playing right away. Whether they're starters, you want them playing, you want them to be major contributors for you on either side of the ball. Later rounds, sure, those are more developmental guys, but 
in the NFL nowadays, like it's it's put up or shut up. This is a, a post Josh Rosen era that we're in. I mean, not necessarily for all second or third rounders. Is it that drastic? But especially first rounder, you, you go out there and give us production right away. What other news? Because we're going to come back to Green Bay. We're going to talk about Green Bay a good bit. I have a feeling today. What other news around the rest of the league uh, do we have today going on? Uh, the Lions tired John Dorsey former Cleveland GM as their GM. But did you guys hear the Dan Campbell opening opening press conference? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I, I said last week he was a guy that's like, he's a rah-rah guy. I it didn't was. know he was this drastic. Of, <laughs> I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to search the... Bite the kneecaps thing. Basically, he said, you're going to knock us down, but we're going to get up and bite your kneecap off. And then you're probably going to knock us down again. And we're going to get up and bite your other kneecap off. And you're going to knock us down again. And we're going to get up and bite whatever. <laughs> I don't remember what he said the it's third time. We're kick you in the teeth. And when you punch us back, we're going to smile at you. And when you knock us down, we're going to get up. And on the way, we're, on the way up, we're going to bite a kneecap off. Yeah, and, and he went on with that kneecap thing like two or three times. Uh, and basically, the, the mentality is, I don't care how we get knocked down. We're going to be coming back. We're a dog in a fight. And, man, Pat McAfee loved that clip, by the way. He was, like, stoked. <laughs> it legitimately kind of sounds like a like a Saturday Night Live skit of a, the rah-rah <laughs> it does. football guy type of coach where it's biting kneecaps. I've never heard that as an expression, but... It's, I think it's kind of a re- reactionary hire to Matt Patricia. Matt Patricia was also kind of the tough guy, but he was more the schemer, the the Belichick, just kind of sit back and, and let your preparation handle things. That didn't work out. So now that they got to bring in a high-energy guy who's going to be that typical football coach, and yeah, that that's and maybe be listening for those press conferences. Maybe the team will buy into him. You know, it, it, mm-hmm. it that's what matters if they do. By the way, did it surprise anybody that Patricia was like in two blinks back on New England staff as no. defensive, well, possibly defensive coordinator? He hasn't been given that title because I think Belichick's son has been doing the defensive stuff, right? Belichick's son has that same demeanor, that same look as Bill Belichick. And it's like, oh, no, this guy's going to take over once Bill retires and then it's just going to be more Patriots. And- you know what's going to be funny about that is just watching Josh McDaniel sit there with a droopy face realizing <laughs> I could have had a head coaching job. And I left him at the altar, and now Bill Belichick's son gets this team. (laughs) One quick Bears note, they hired a defensive coordinator. Not a big name. It's a a guy from inside the organization, an in-staff hire. Sean Desai, I think his last name is pronounced, the first person of Indian descent to be an NFL defensive coordinator. So Mm -hmm. I'm in favor of the minority hires. That's something I'm going to, you know, applaud. I think him and uh, Colts OC are the two that are being applauded right now because they're the two minorities, right? Uh, Marcus Brady, uh, our quarterback's coach, after Nick Sirianni left. By the way, that's news this week. Nick Sirianni left and went to Philadelphia to be their head coach, leaving the Colts without their offensive coordinator. But they uh, promoted Marcus um, from inside, Marcus Brady. And um, yeah, he's one of those two minority hires, I think, that have happened. And for the Bears, the defensive coordinator is is a big coordinator. It's more important than the offensive coordinator because, you know, Matt Nagy's the offensive guy and the, the defense is really handled by the coordinator. So we'll see. Yeah. He's going to have a tough spot taking over. Th- this roster is not going to be great next year. Worse than the way I felt going into this year. I don't know what moves they make. Robert Quinn wasn't a, su- a successful hire. He was a, a splashy free agent that didn't work out. So for me, this move is just kind of a, a Band-Aid on a wound that is this Bears team. I can see it already. One year away, it'll be Matt Nagy's fired. Bears go 5-11 and rebuild. And <laughs> Brian Pace will probably be out of there too. It's just, I can see it. It's, it's inevitable. Oh, you wishful but thinker. Here we are. You're going to get Matt Pace and uh, or Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace for the next six years. Just just get used to it. Year seven <laughs> of Ryan Pace. Year seven. And it's like, wow, that was a long time ago. He initially drafted Kevin White. And it's outside of 2018. It's kind of all downhill from there. Yeah. As you guys remember, uh, right now is the time where people are voting for Hall of Fame. Uh, for the 2021 class, and we're starting to get some leaks out there. We have one confirmed person of that finalist list that is not being voted in. Uh, Leroy Butler tweeted out earlier that he is not getting in this year. He was a finalist last year as well, finalist this year. 
Uh, it wasn't his year. Maybe he'll make it in the future. I'm not exactly sure. I had not um, heard that. As, as a Packers fan, I would love to see that. Well, yeah, as a Packers fan, as I'm, and I'm sure all of you guys as Homer fans, you love to see your team get in. And we'll see what happens next year if anything happens or if Leroy Butler ever makes the Hall of Fame. Yeah, it's tough when they just keep backing up a year and backing up a year and more people just keep coming in. It's like, uh we also have one confirmed person going in because uh, another leak that came out and as a kid from Indianapolis and Matt also, uh, it took 11 seconds for the committee to vote Peyton Manning in. I don't think that surprised one person in the no. world. Nope. <laughs> well, just, I would just be mad if there's like the, like the Derek Jeter incident. I think it was Derek Jeter, maybe Rodriguez, but like one person or two people didn't vote him in or something a couple years ago. Like, like a clear-cut winner, you know, everybody should have voted him in and like two people didn't. I think what you're getting at is Mariano Rivera was the yeah. first ever unanimous baseball Hall of Fame inductee. It's kind of a, like doesn't make a whole lot of sense. We're like, okay, if, if Babe Ruth or Willie Mays is going in, like, yeah, you vote, you put them on your ballot. But I think what the reason for that where, you know, one or two people wouldn't have voted for him is they want to reallocate their vote to one of the borderline guys that they think should mm -hmm. be in. And so they move things around and they already know that those top guys are going to get in. So, right. so if somebody knew Peyton Manning was going to get in, they might, instead of voting yeah. for him, knowing everybody yeah. else would, they vote for yeah, somebody that makes else. More sense. It's kind of annoying though. Like, come on, just put them on your phone. Just, yeah, just put them in. in. I'm yeah. still, I'm still hopeful. I, I'm not like, I guess hopeful is the wrong word. I'm not hopeful as in, I think it might happen, but hopeful as in maybe it could happen. I would like to see Reggie Wayne go in the same time as uh, Edron James and Peyton Manning since Edron got pushed yeah. back a year. That'd be cool to watch those three go in together. It'd be cool also because um, I remember it was either, it was Dan Marino and either Mark Duber or Mark Clayton, Mark, both of them, Mark, Mark brothers were in the stands and Dan Marino threw a pass to one of them. I just want to see that happen with Peyton Manning and Reggie Wayne because they both get in at the same time. Ah, yeah. And then have Edge rush, rush one. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how that would happen, but <laughs> a lot of places have filled their head coaching vacancies now, and it's just sitting there. The Texans may be getting the enemy, but who knows until after the Super Bowl if that's mm -hmm. even going to be a possibility. And the report came out this week that uh, for Deshaun Watson, even if they hire, doesn't matter what the coach is, he wants out. And the preferred destination that was reported was the, New York. Uh, the Jets, yeah. Which is uh, weird for me. Really, really like, I think yeah. he really likes uh, Robert Sala that higher, but he's a defensive guy, so that's that's going to be his main thing. But yeah, I mean, I would rather if I were Deshaun Watson, I'd rather go to the Dolphins. That's just a better situation. That's less of a rebuild. Uh, and I think he was going to say they're just a quarterback away, which they pretty yeah. much are. Um, <laughs> but. Yeah, the Jets just seem like us in such disarray in so many areas of their game. I don't I don't think it was the quarterback that was necessarily the missing piece. I don't think Sam Darnold was as bad as he looked there. Nope. Cuz I remember like the first year they Adam Gates was there. They went 7 and 9, I think, or somewhere some borderline positive or borderline, you know, you know, I guess even, but and Darnold played an actual good season, but I think the Fed, the reason they went so bad this year was because a lot of their players, like their star players, opted out. I know CJ Mosley opted out on defense because like the COVID opt out and a couple other players opted out. Yeah. But I don't think they're a quarterback away. I think they're more of like a get this piece, get this piece, and then we're there kind of deal. And, it, you know, part of it was probably their coach. <laughs> I don't yeah, think he was the greatest coach. So having a new coach in there could change things. I don't know. It's a big market. And the thing is, if you're a Jet and you do like semi-well, you've got so many people following you and watching you. It's kind of like Texas. Texas is a huge football place. Miami yeah. would be too, I would think. I can see where people would think, oh, I don't want to go to Indianapolis or Detroit because, you know, what size town is that? What's their fan base? But well, I tell you what, uh, let's go ahead and uh, do just a a little bit of our rewind. And this is not you know the fantasy flashback, but this is the look back at what just happened in the the two games we had this week. We had our championship games, AFC Championship, NFC Championship, both on the same day. Uh, I actually didn't have to paint any rooms or do any work. I got to sit and watch both games. But we're gonna we're actually gonna start with Mr. Brandon Colmark with our first game because this is gonna be his homer highlight also as he goes into this game because really those two things are tied inextricably. Brandon? I'm going to start with not talking about the game first. I'll kind of talk about my thoughts on, on the Packers right now. A, a little bit tied in with the game. I think this game showed why Jair Alexander should be considered as the most dangerous corner in, the fo in football. I know he didn't get all the appreciation that he deserved throughout the season because quarterbacks weren't targeting that area. But I think if you're a cornerback 
and a quarterback isn't targeting targeting you, that's a compliment. Mm-hmm. They know what you can do, and they're scared if you can do that. And we saw that with Tom Brady. Tom Brady said, I trust Mike Evans, and he's going to get the ball. Uh, Jair Alexander got five targets, one catch for 19 yards, two interceptions, and he kind of set up an Adrian Amos interception uh, when he shut down Evans. I don't know if he's the first player that's ever done this or he ties it, but throughout the postseason, he allowed a 0.0 passer rating. It's nice, isn't this it? This postseason. You can't get better than that. So he either tied it or he was the, the first corner to do it. And that's on over 80% of snaps. You're taking quite a bit of snaps. He looked really good. I know Jalen Ramsey kind of sits up there and Xavier Howard sits up there. I think Jair needs to be in that upper echelon conversation instead of a second tier to them. Yeah. That's my opinion. What do you guys think on that? Oh, I'd sure. say he's I'd say, upper echelon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, definitely with what he did this year, the the stats, you know, pro football focus rates him very high. That's all puts him in that, in that tier. One thing I will say though, one of his interceptions was more of a punt, honestly, by, by Brady where he's pressured it's third and long, you know, he throws it down to the 20. Have to, Shouldn't have thrown have to, that one. <laughs> yeah. Basically. I mean, basically if, if it's incomplete and it's, a punt that's going to be right at the, the spot where it is if it's a yeah. touchback anyway. So that's, yeah. you know, context yeah. with that, but still a great game, no doubt. And a great season. I think he's up echelon. I think obviously yeah. the quarterback's up echelon. I think Devonte Adams is up echelon. I think Aaron, Jeff, I think you have a lot of up echelon players. My question is what happened? Uh, we'll get there. I'm not quite done with my, <laughs> my Homer highlights yet. So go, going into this offseason, there's a lot of unknowns, as Aaron Rodgers said, which speculated everyone thinking he was going to get traded, retire, or leave. He, he came out and said that. We, we covered that earlier. Uh, but here are some unlikely resignings. Aaron Jones is the biggest name, and I think he's probably the biggest free agency running back, I would argue. I think there's a lot of teams that would want him. I think Miami's going to be a good spot for him. Mm. I personally see him going there. I know Green Bay offered him a top five running back contract, and he turned it down because he wanted more guaranteed money. Green Bay said, no, thank you. We're comfortable with the guys we have. Yeah. Then Corey Lindsley, who's our all-pro center, is also going to be a free agent. I haven't heard too many talks on where he might end up. I don't think he's going to be back with the Packers. I would love him to be back with the Packers, but I think Elton Jenkins is going to t- kind of take that role as center as our really most versatile lineman. Jamal Williams is another, another name. So Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams came in in the same draft class. Jamal Williams under Mike McCarthy was the starting running back. Aaron Jones was flipped. And then it, the script got flipped when Matt LaFleur came in. Aaron Jones became the starting man running back. Jamal Williams was the backup. And then in the second season, they split a lot of snaps. And Jamal Williams looks really good. I think we can get him on a cheap deal. He's my biggest question mark. I would like to see Jamal Williams and A.J. Dillon in the Green Bay backfield next season. I think that's what I you're going to get. the combination of the two of them mm-hmm. will look really good. Yeah. And it's both of them together are cheaper than Aaron Jones, and I would rather have that personally. I think that's what Green Bay's uh, going to do. I think it's logical. Uh, and then Kevin King, he won't be back. I think that's <laughs> obvious. After, after the season he just had, He's only declined since he's gotten there. I know he has a great vertical. When the ball is still 40 yards away from you, don't jump and try to tip it. Pretty common sense. He won't be back. A lot of Packers fans are angry with him right now. That's all I have to say about Kevin King. I think we will be letting a player go this season to free up more cap space. Uh, And that's Preston Smith. And I know Josh is familiar with Preston yeah, because he, he drafted Washington, him. And then he went to Green Bay and he played actually pretty good. He, he had a great season last season. And he came in this season and looked meh. And then where Sean Gary came into the conversation and said, here, let me, let me show you how it's done. And in the second half of the season, Rashawn Gary looked awesome. I was really proud of what Rashawn Gary did. And I think he's our guy opposite of Darius Smith moving forward. I'm sad to see Preston go. I think him and the, you know, the Smith bros whole thing was amazing. Uh, big for fans. Um, but I'm, I'm going to miss Preston and I think he's gone sticking on people. I think are going to be gone. I'm going to talk Mike Pettin, our defensive coordinator. I thought he should have left after last season, after the 49ers game and the NFC championship game, he should have been gone. Uh, he did a little bit with the defense this year, really shaped him up in the second half of the season to make him look a lot better. But he really doesn't know what he's doing with his play calling 
on his defensive side. That first play, or that last play of the first half, I think, was his uh, nail oh, in the coffin. How do you not play deep zone there? How do you not? Yep. He, the middle of the field was covered up excellently. But if you're going to have, if you're going to be 50 yards away and you're not sending guys back there to cover that area, you're going to give up a touchdown. And yeah. I think this is what fans don't understand always about, you'll see a team two minute drive left and they just go right down the field and get a field goal. And you say, oh, why are you playing prevent defense? Don't give that up. You're in that kind of defense where you give up that first 10 yards because you don't want to give up the one big play that's a touchdown and really set you back. You're fine kind of negotiating that scenario for a field goal. That's what you have to do there with if you're Mike Benton. You can't you can't give up a, a deep shot, one-on-one coverage. I actually think most fans thought that. <laughs> I don't mm-hmm. think that was a misconception. Yeah. I think most fans were like, what are you doing? How could you leave that guy back there in yeah. a fourth down where if they if they just get to, you know, underneath, uh, they might not even get a field goal. Yeah, my, Mike Pettin has an interesting track record, especially against the running game. So of the top five running performances in the Madden era, Mike Pettin's defense has given up three of them. Three of the top five. <laughs> if Derrick Henry showed up and did something this season against Green Bay, it might have been four of the top five. Like even worse. Um, I, I do want to talk about a couple things that I like about this Green Bay team, it's hard to get into the top four. And I think we all know that there's 32 teams in the NFL. Making it to the top four two seasons in a row is really a credit to, I think, Matt LaFleur. He's a brilliant guy. He works in the trenches with his players. He motivates his players. His players know exactly where his heart is. I think he embodies exactly what I would want in a head coach. You don't think that's for this organization. Aaron Rodgers motivating the players and making them what they are. I think that's part of it. But we've seen Aaron Rodgers in the locker room as the leader as well with Mike McCarthy. And that's worked out well. And it hasn't. It's all on your player leadership and your coaching and what you're able to do with that. There's a lot of reports that Tom Brady was unhappy in New England because he wasn't allowed to do more coaching in his position. It's looked pretty good what Uh, he's done in Tampa Bay, though. Yeah, and Bruce Arians said halfway through the season, I just I stopped coaching and I let Tom coach. And it worked out really well for them. Matt LaFleur also does a similar thing. He's having Devontae Adams lead a lot of these receivers. And we saw that with MVS's footwork this season. He's start starting to get open. And if he can start catching stuff, he's going to be very dangerous. <laughs> and remember, Devontae Adams, when he came in, caught less than 50% of his passes in his first three seasons. Less than 50%. Mm-hmm. And today, if you see Devontae Adams drop a drop a catch more than one in a season, you're surprised. I'm surprised. That's a pretty dramatic turnaround. You can't just expect everyone to do. And yeah. MVS, his, his footwork's good, but I mean, his hands don't work. So <laughs> What do you mean? He was the highlight of the Green Bay receivers in this past game. He's one of the few players in postseason history to have less than four or less catches for over 100 yards and a touchdown. Because he's a, he's a one-trick pony. He's a he's a vertical threat. He obviously catches a few of those here or there, but he's not he's not Devonte Adams. He's not a great route runner. You you can just rely on. He's a great receiver, a, a great addition to have. You know, probably ideally a fourth ish, fourth fifth guy for Aaron Rodgers, a guy who can just kill you down the field with one play. That's the guy you want in in Marquez Valdez Scantling, but he shouldn't be your second best weapon. Yeah, you put him in the slot. He's, he's not reliable enough. He has problem, problems with catching the ball. That's the main knock on him. That was the main knock on Devontae Adams. He only had route running. He couldn't catch anything. He was a one-trick pony, and now look what he can do. It's all about the developmental game. And I think MVS, from what we've had since he was a rookie until where he is now, he's starting to develop more and more. You don't count on that, though. Like, if you're Green Bay, you got to be honest about who this guy is he can make improvement here or there, but not, I'd say 90 something percent of guys aren't going to make this Devonte Adams type turnaround where they go from a, a guy who's, who's talented has, has good games here or there, but isn't, you know, a, a top receiver to probably right now, the best receiver in the league. That's just, that's unprecedented. You know, this so takes me back a little bit to your conversation earlier about drafting mm-hmm. a wide receiver versus getting a free agent. Brandon was saying, no, nobody's going to come in and, you know, you, you get a free agent who's already good because they're going to make more difference. Now it sounds like it's flipped. You're like, you can develop these guys and they change versus just take somebody who's already good. This sounds like the complete opposite argument from both of you. Essentially, 
and what I had mentioned earlier is Green Bay was more confident in their developmental guys than the guys they saw in the draft. And that came out from uh, Mike Murphy, our CEO, and Matt LaFleur. They were more confident in our developmental guys, and we're starting to see that. But they got they those were, guys somewhere, right? They weren't like they free agent pickups. But <laughs> yeah, we got them in the draft. They're developmental guys for a reason. Yeah. We weren't expecting them to come in and immediately make a difference. And I'm not saying that everyone's going to turn into we should get rid of you to the number one receiver in the NFL is Devonte Adams is I'm saying that we can take you and you can go from, we're not sure if we want you to a steadily reliable guy. I think that's all you need. A steadily reliable guy. You're going to be just fine. That's what Indianapolis has had. T Y Hilton this year did very little. I mean, he was still, still, I think our top yards guy, but it felt like he was never there. Uh, but we had a lot of guys like Zach Pascal that nobody really knew who he was, you know, he came in and, he was developed and the same with several of our other receivers. I mean, Mark, I mean, um, Pittman Jr., everybody knew who he was, but he did very little with the, the surgery and stuff he had this year. Uh, I think those guys having them make a difference, but you still need to have like one guy who is like the guy. And yeah, you got Devontae Adams. At a certain yeah. point, though, I think in, in general, NFL players are what they are. I mean, this is what uh, the fourth year for MVS. Is it? Is this fourth? Was that his fourth? It's, it's his third. He came in the same third. draft class as uh, Josh Allen, who was, was also a developmental guy. A fifth round pick. <laughs> so, at a certain point, though, at you, you can't just say, "Well, he's just gonna he's just gonna develop." At a certain point, a guy is what he is in the NFL. That's how it is. And with a rookie receiver, you give them a year or two to really get rolling, but. At a certain point, you got to make a move. You got to shake things up. And I think that's what Green Bay has to do with their receivers. It would make sense, though, like like you said, to go the free agency route and, and pay a guy. But we'll see what they do. So I, I want to talk about Aaron Rodgers for a second. And so at the beginning of the season, Aaron said, I saw something in old tape from right. 2010 yep. that I noticed I was playing differently than how I was now. On the Pat McAfee show yesterday, Aaron released exactly he, what that was. Did any of you guys see that? I did not. Please tell me no. what it was, because I've wondered that. It all had to do with his release at the top of his throw and how he put the weight on his left leg when he threw. If you remember a few seasons ago, I think it was 2018, uh, he went down week one in a Bears game with a leg injury. Was Is that 2018, 2019? Yep. yep. 2018. Week one. 20 nothing, yeah. and then... Yeah, they came back. And he comes back, and he plays all season on a essentially a, a broken leg, something you should not be playing on. He, <laughs> he played out the season. A few years before that, he had broke his collarbone in Minnesota. As right. uh, we all know, that was one of Minnesota's top sports plays of the decade, was breaking Aaron <laughs> Rodgers' collarbone. And, and so there a couple injuries... He said it, it really slowed him down and what he can do with the football. And we saw that with his stats. There was regression. That's when the talk of Aaron Rodgers should retire now while he's ahead. And Aaron's like, well, I'm just going to start squatting and get my legs strong enough, start lifting and get my arms stronger, and then just zip this ball out a little more efficiently. And I think that worked really well for him this season. Yeah, uh, he, he definitely looked good this season. No doubt about that. So if that's what he found and that's what worked, keep doing it, Aaron. I think you'll have several more years left at that level. And yeah. not to get ahead of things here, but what do you guys think about the the late game situation that happened? Do you blame the refs for this game, Brandon, as a, as a Packer fan? I see both sides of the argument. If you're, if you're a ref, you need to be consistent in what you're going to do throughout the game. Mm -hmm. I thought the very last play was interesting. I agree it was pass interference i am one of the few packers fans you'll hear that from mm -hmm. i don't agree that the wet the ref sat there and looked at it probably noticed that ball wasn't even close to catchable and then threw a flag late i think it was catchable it didn't look catchable because there was he was holding grabbed the jersey yeah and he he grabbed it with both hands he grabbed it with one yeah. for a while let go grabbed it with the other one for a while it wasn't like he just held him right at the end he was holding him a good bit yeah. of the way yeah they and calling that most of the game though that's yeah, there, there was there was one that happened just before halftime that led to the Buccaneers touchdown. 
Alan Lazard was held and it led over, led to an interception and then the Bucks could drive down. If they would have called that at halftime, the score the score could have been 17 to 14 Packers up. That's a different narrative than what we saw. And we can always play this what if game, and you can do that with any any scenario. In reality, the Packers lost. They had opportunities and they couldn't mm-hmm. capitalize on all of yep. them. I don't think Tom Brady played exceptionally well in this game. I think no. he gets way too much credit for what he actually did. His three interceptions, uh, which, which was. <laughs> I think he looked like a glorified Jay Cutler in this game. Honestly, I think the Tampa Bay defense was really the highlight of this game. I think I said last well. week, whatever defense plays best is who's going to win because they both have good offenses. I think Aaron Rodgers is a stronger quarterback. I think uh, Tom Brady has better weapons. Uh, again, you have Devontae Adams and, and Aaron Jones. You have some weapons. But I think what Tom Brady has is, is like an embarrassment of riches when it comes to like whatever the position is. Uh, but whichever yeah. defense stepped up stronger. And the truth is, when you get three interceptions, your defense played well in Green Bay, but Tampa yeah. Bay's played really well too. Yeah, I, I think the story of Green Bay was our offense did well in that first half. Our defense did exceptional in the second half. And then they just, our defense didn't show up in that first half. And our offense didn't show up in our second half. You needed them together. There's a lot of blame to go around besides just the refs in a first down. It's Mike Pettin. He deserves plenty of blame for letting what happened at the end of the first half half. Yep. First half happened. Aaron Rodgers, I know he, he had a great season on that third and goal. I think he should have ran it. it he, I don't know if he gets in, but he he gets close. You know, fourth and goal, we can go for it here instead of take the field goal. There was a third down there where Aaron Rodgers said, if I would have known we were going to kick the field goal, I would have p- called a different rounds. play he on third. Called a different play. Yeah. There, there was then, that slight lack of communication. So Matt LaFleur all season has been the most aggressive play caller in the red zone. All season, that's statistically, he's number one, most aggressive, going for it in the red zone. And we didn't see that. It was a different Matt LaFleur that we saw at the end of this game. I don't know exactly what his thinking was. Reporters don't exactly know. He mentioned, if it works out, it looks like a great thing. And if it doesn't work out, it looks awful. And that yeah. you can say that in any coaching situation. But I was really confused when he didn't go for it, given how aggressive he was all season. He was the number one most aggressive coach in the red zone going for it on fourth down. He choked. It really, it was just a bad decision, I think. If you, if you go for it there, fourth and goal from the eight, and yet, yes, you still have to get the two-point conversion, but you tie the game up. You get a stop, go to overtime. That's the, the blueprint. You, you kick the field goal, you're, you still need points. Even if you don't get that touchdown there, you're not out of the game. You can still get a stop. And then Aaron Rodgers, Hail Mary time, that, that's still in play. You have Aaron Rodgers. You trust your quarterback. You trust your MVP right there with a chance to win the game and obviously backfired. But I, I think a lot of people, including myself, like you said, Brandon, didn't like the call. It, you you should have gone for it there. Yeah, I, I could not agree more. And I know there's a lot of Packers fans that are on on board with that as well. I want to go back to this run, like the third and goal run. I saw a video of this guy explaining it. He's like, we're seeing it from a bird's eye view of like, oh, he should run. Perfect, you know, perfect angle, good touchdown. But we're not seeing it from Aaron Rodgers' view where he has like a linebacker, a fast linebacker, and then white straight ahead of him covering one guy. He's going to make that angle and get him. You know, I, I agree with the throw because like, like the guy was saying, like you have this linebacker covered, you have the safety in the middle. You, you know, you, I don't think you're going to make it. Yeah, Aaron has gotten faster since his leg injury but he's not gotten that fast right yeah i think he should have ran it and got something out of it they get it inside the five that i think that probably changes things to where they you've got a lot more options you can come up you can come out in an eye formation or a under center play where there's there is a chance if you don't if you're too worried about passing you know the the pass game and and you can Maybe run some play fake off of that. Like there's, you have more options there. I, I think they go for it if it's a little bit closer, but ultimately that didn't happen. So we're talking about the game. Let's, let's go ahead. And uh, I mean, we can come back and hit some green Bay stuff, but what do you guys think about Tom Brady going to number 10? The goat conversations back, right? Oh, it's back. And it's, it's, it's hard to deny he's getting moved on. more and more. We've moved on. We've moved on from the best NFL player. It seems like, Brady's locked that up, that GOAT conversation. Now, it's is he the greatest athlete of all time? Look, he's not a fantastic athlete. He's not going to outrun anyone, you know, like, and he's been in great positions, a great organization with the Patriots, a ton of talent on this Bucks team. But ultimately, when you win as much as Brady has won, winning becomes a quarterback stat. And this level of winning is just unreal. 
he's been in the NFC one season. And he's and in the Super Bowl. As many NFC championships as Aaron Rodgers. That's just like, it's unreal. When winning has gone everywhere with him the way it has, yeah. There's something men- mental about that. He brings something, and he brings a confidence and belief to his teammates. There's something there. I think he's only like the four, fourth, third or fourth quarterback to go from one team, win Super Bowl, or one or more Super Bowls, and then go to another team, and like it doesn't matter how many years, but win another Super Bowl with that team. Well, he hasn't won yeah, it there, yet. There's only one quarterback that has won a Super Bowl with two teams. That's Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning. Tom Brady, uh, I think, will come back next year and want to win a second one so that he is head and shoulders above Peyton Manning in every area. That's it. And Peyton Manning basically said this weekend, I don't think Tom's done. I think Tom comes back next year and tries to do it again. I mean, he's put together multiple Hall of Fame careers within his career. Yeah. I mean, Eli Manning's probably going to get it in, in the Hall of Fame for winning two Super Bowls. Against him. Probably just because he beat Tom Brady. <laughs> those are... Those are those Super Bowls hold a little bit extra meaning, but like, you can, I think you can make the argument Tom Brady has three Hall of Fame careers. Yeah, you can divide by each decade. Yeah, that's just so And real. you know, the funny thing is, when I look at him and Drew Brees, okay, they evidently played against each other. He looks younger. He looks more uh-huh. able. Uh, Drew Brees looks older. Yeah. Does Brady have Botox or something? I don't Probably. Yeah. <laughs> So let's go back to this idea of Tom Brady as the greatest athlete of all time. This, this <laughs> week I saw a lot of comparisons between him and LeBron James. In their respective sports, who's more impactful, Tom Brady or LeBron James? Oh, Tom Brady. I feel like I, uh, Tom Brady they're, also. They're the only two athletes to take, to take, I say that with quotes, to take, because uh, it's obviously in football much more of a team effort than it is in basketball. You can yeah. have a superstar carry your team in basketball. Not necessarily all the time in football, I mean, but to take their careers to at least 10 championship games. I, I think you put Brady ahead of LeBron because I mean, he's gotten, gotten it done in the championship games. That being said, LeBron does not deserve, he doesn't have, it shouldn't be a knock against him that he goes to the finals and loses. There's plenty yeah. of context in there. We're like getting an NBA talk here. The first LeBron finals, it was him and no one on that original Cavs team against right. the Spurs, this dynasty. And then the first, when LeBron came back, that first finals against the Warriors, where Kevin Love's out, Kyrie uh-huh. Irving's out, and then they lose to a great Warriors team. That that last time they went to the finals with LeBron in Cleveland, where if the Warriors, 73 and 9 Warriors add in Kevin Durant, like that's just not fair. No one, that's, yeah. no one's going to win that in, with LeBron's situation. So, there's context in there, but you give you give Brady the nod as a better winner. All right, and here's another comparison I've seen: Tom Brady or Michael Phelps. Uh-huh. Phelps. I give it to Phelps because he's competing internationally, yeah. and he's the most decorated Olympian of all time. That's fair. I I don't know. It, it's tough to compare, like with yeah. every four years and Phelps. I mean, but the way he came back and yeah. kind of did it multiple different Olympics. It, it, make, it would make sense. Yeah, I, I think what Michael Phelps did in Beijing, where he won out everything and set almost every world record, Tom Brady would have to come in and throw 6,000 yards in a season, 60 <laughs> touchdowns, zero interceptions, and have a 90% completion percentage. I think that's the equivalent. When, when someone mentions uh, LeBron James, Michael Phelps, and Tom Brady, and you have to like really sit and think about like which one would be better, you're in good company to be one of those people you know not everybody gets to be that i think it's felt so because like think about it tom brady has a chance every year michael phelps has a chance every four years but if you put michael phelps in a a chance every year he won't win like three or four as like times as much as brady has won already yeah and and here's another question when tom brady's name is on the hall of fame ballot probably in like 3200 at the rate (laughs) he's playing right now will his name take less than 11 seconds for a unanimous vote. They won't even mention it. It'll just be already like <laughs> the walk into the room for their, here's your ballot. Brady's already on there. <laughs> you know, I don't think you can get faster. Everybody's going to like fill them out and hand them in. And it's going to be like, or how are they vote, raise their hands and you got to count and it's going to take that long. But I think, yeah, it's definitely going to be like, I think it will take the closest amount of time, but and, and it's not going to take like four or five seconds just because of the fact that like some people will question the fact as like 
like like for instance, Terrell Owens didn't, didn't get in for a couple of years, even though he's a Hall of Famer, like Hall of Fame stats because of his personality. I think people question like Tom Brady for cheating with the the, the flight gate and mm-hmm. question him to get in and like does he deserve to get in because he cheated his way to one? Here's an interesting stat: since the deflate, since the deflation, <laughs> I think Tom Brady has been to four Super Bowls. Okay, the 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 cheating is more on on Belichick, I think. Where the organization. Kind of I'm starting to realize that now, like when he's on the Bucks, it's like. Was it Bill or I mean, was it Bill or was it Tom? And start really with this Tom. It was it was Bill because like he he did spike it two or three times already. But the, here's the thing: the, the cheating isn't like steroids level cheating. I think with if we're talking baseball, where right. those guys gonna get in? Like it's little. They're they're pushing the boundaries really of of what's legal, what's yeah. not. It's overblown because it's the Patriots, but Brady. And Belichick are already in if they I mean today. recording sidelines and getting signals and stuff like that. That's all Belichick. You know, Brady mm-hmm. is gonna get very yeah, little use out of that. Uh maybe a little bit. Uh the deflate gate was like so out uh, was it the weather? We have no definitive proof that it's like that it was anything significant different from other, you know. Uh yeah, I think that's more organizational, less Tom Brady. All right, I think we can continue talking about Tom Brady here in a minute. But first, I want to get your guys' thoughts on the Kansas City-Buffalo game. Personally, I I was still mourning. I shut off the TV. I didn't watch it. I watched <laughs> the Aaron Rodgers postgame press conference, the Matt LaFleur postgame pref- press conference, and then I went and did other things. I completely ignored the game. Yeah. Uh, I saw two plays. It's so funny two, how we're like game. that as fans. We're yeah. like, I know if like Illinois basketball wins a big game, I'm like, Heck yeah! I want to listen to all the, I want to listen to the post game and all the, all the podcasts of the you know journalists and stuff. And I'm just all in. I'm watching highlights. And then if they lose, it's like, all right, that's enough sports for like for tonight. Yeah. Like, when the Colts I lost, I away. I shut everything off that day and kind of went and did other stuff. And I half caught up on other people. Let me tell you what I've what I've heard, and then you guys can expand on this. Sure. I've heard Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and Tyreek Hill looked amazing. Yes. I heard the Kansas City defense actually did something. And they can look yeah. scary for Tom Brady. And that's all I've heard. Yeah, the I think the Chiefs defense really confused Josh Allen and that, that Bill's offense just was not the same as it's been all year, really. You credit the Chiefs defense and then the Chiefs offense did the Chiefs offense things where Tyreek Hill catches a little a little short pass in the flats and he takes it like almost for a touchdown all the way just yeah. Where it's like, wow, that, that it was one of those plays where it's like that guy is just so much faster than everyone. Like when he gets going at top speed, it's goodbye. That was uh, the biggest thing I think I, I recognized in this game. I don't watch a lot of Chiefs game if I can help it because I don't like the Chiefs or Patrick Mahomes. Sorry, world. Uh, but uh, <laughs> as uh, every time I saw Hill get the ball, I just I was amazed by look how fast he is. I mean, even like it was just a little dump in the middle and he was doing a crossing route. He just looked so stinking fast, faster than everybody else. I'm like, Man, it's no wonder they win so much. Look at that guy. It's like he's in another gear, another energy level. And, uh, you know, Diggs and and uh, Josh Allen could not connect up. Either Josh was overthrowing a little bit or Diggs was, uh, you know, being manhandled by the defense. They just never could get that connection that they usually have. Uh, so it, it really looked to me like Kansas City was much stronger. Yeah, I mean, that was pretty much the story of this game. And Outside of Josh Allen, the Bills don't have much of a, a running game. So you really just say, all right, we're going to take away their passing game, try and bottle up Josh Allen. That's how we'll play it. Yeah, so that really worked out for the Chiefs. And the Chiefs offense, like, it seemed like they were almost bored this year where it's you know, they, they won a lot of one-score games. Are they the same team, et cetera? And then they get to the playoffs, and it's just they, even when they got down – nine nothing it's just like all right here they come eventually they they get rolling and if you're not able to really put in work better than 24 points against that defense it's advantage chiefs yeah i really really wanted the bills to win really wanted the bills to win so i was i was uh, a bit disappointed when that game was over i was like a little bit like "Uh," but then i kept remembering oh neither one of these are really my team so i'm okay (laughs) yeah our four predictions from last week all of them were wrong. All of them. Yeah. All of them. <laughs> it's the exact Super Bowl that I think fans didn't want. I think there's a lot of fans who wanted Tom Brady and the Bucks to go. I don't know of many people who wanted Patrick Mahomes to go. 
Uh, I think a lot of people were pulling for the Bills. I think the the Packers and uh, Bucks were probably a lot more evenly split in the world mm-hmm. than maybe you know we would have here. Uh, a lot of people wanted to see Aaron Rodgers, but a lot of people wanted to see Tom Brady. You know, show Belichick. I was the magic. A lot of people wanted to see Tampa Bay host the Super Bowl for the first time ever. A home team is hosting the. Yeah, that's crazy. That's another first for Tom Brady. And he just is like, oh, yeah, anytime you're doing something that's the first time ever, it's pretty special. I'm like, oh, shut up. But he is, you know. And uh, so I think a lot of people were pulling for that more than uh, than Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. I think that's mostly Kansas City folk pulling for them and maybe just bandwagon people who are like, oh, they're good. Yeah, I'll, I'll root for them. But I think most of America was saying, man, I'd love to see the Bills go. The Bills who've had such heartbreak. Let's go, Bills. I wanted the Bills to win because, well, the Bills never won one. But I also want to see them because right when the Buccaneers won, I was like, I really want them to win because then they can see the Bills hopefully stick it to Tom Brady after 20 years of being under his belt. Yeah, it would have been a good (laughs) storyline. But, I mean, I think if you're the NFL, this is the storyline you want. You want the quarterback matchup of the GOAT and then maybe the greatest talent quarterback we've seen in in Patrick Mahomes. It's definitely that handoff talk, you know, like you guys won't remember this, but there used to be a band that was really big called the police led by sting and they were just Uh world movers in the early eighties, 81, 82, you know, and then toward the end of the eighties, there was a big live show. I think it was one of those live aids or something like that where they were playing and then you two, Bono and Edge and them came out and they handed them their instruments. And everybody's like, oh, this is the handing of the dynasty from the police to you two. And both of those were huge, huge bands that made huge impact. Well, I think that's the similar kind of thing here. Tom Brady was always with the Patriots, but he was like that dynasty. And so it's like you have the old dynasty represented by Tom and then you have Patrick Mahomes who everybody's like, this is going to be the new dynasty. And so they like to see that matchup. So I'm, I'm curious to know, have we officially moved on to Super Bowl talk? It is kind of looking like that, isn't it? Uh, I didn't even get to, to play the little music uh, here. Here we go. See if I've got the music on here. We've had, what was it? 16 teams. How many did we start with? 14. 14. And then there were eight. To four. And then there were four. And then there were two. And that's what we've got now. Let's talk about some Super Bowl stuff, shall we? Go ahead, Brandon. Kick us off. I, I want to throw out a couple of things. Matthew had mentioned this. Uh, it's the first time in NFL history a Super Bowl will be played with an actual home field advantage. It's in Tampa. Tampa Bay is playing yeah. the Super Bowl. And because of that, whoever wins the Super Bowl, the home team is either going to have a 100% win completion at Super Bowls or a 0% win completion at Super Bowl. So Tampa wins, the home team 100% of the time has won, and if they lose, 0% of the time they have won. And this is the second (laughs) time in NFL history that we've seen the two Super Bowl teams with their primary color is red. Do you guys remember the last time? Oh, man. Was it it red? Yeah, it was red. Don't think back too far. What's a... Almost if it was last season with the 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs. Two seasons in a row. Uh, The only two times in NFL history that's happened. Yeah, it's weird. It's it's weird how different the 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs feel to me in their uniforms, even though they're both red, uh, just because of the brightness of Kansas City. I tell you what, I'm not going to lie. I love the Colts kind of like solid blue and white classic uniform. But this year I have loved the Tampa Bay uniform. You know, they switched it this year. I love the way that pewter and red has looked all year. It's it's a nice looking uniform. It's so much better than the the digital clock. Oh, yeah. Unis they had before. Big upgrade. Definitely for them. Uniform wise, because you could say with these these red teams in now in the in the Super Bowl matching up again. It's like a red scare, different kind of red scare over the NFL. I'm going to I'm going to tell you something. I'm rooting for Tampa Bay and I never in a million years thought I would say I was rooting for Tom Brady to win a Super Bowl. That just usually is against my grain with my history of uh, the Colts and the Patriots. But there's something in me that would love to see Tom Brady cap a 10 win or, you know, cap. How many has he won? Six. Six, this would be seven. So this would be, yeah, this would be big. I want to see Tampa Bay, who hasn't been there forever, win when it's in their home, you know, because that's going to be a once and who knows how, who knows when that'll ever happen again. 
uh, being at home and winning, you know, that would like even pop it to the next level. And uh, there's just a whole bunch. Plus, as I've said many, many times, I'm not a Patrick Mahomes fan. I'm not a Kansas City fan. Andy Reid's a good guy. Glad he got his last year. You got yours. Get out of the way. I know we could say that about Tom Brady, but. Yeah, the the way I have always approached rooting for my Super Bowl team is I always root for the team that beats the Packers because the Packers are almost always in the playoffs and they always get knocked out by a team. And a lot of the times that team goes on to the Super Bowl. And you so want to be able to Giants, say the only reason they lost is this was the eventual Super Bowl winners. That's why. Yeah. And I'm like, look at this. We're, we're looking pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I can say that too. And, and That's every right. Time, almost every time, nine of those times, that team has played Tom Brady. Nine of those times that team has played Tom Brady. But it's different and this year. I have developed a, so much of a spite for Tom Brady because of that. Because six of those nine times he beat the team I was rooting for. Mm-hmm. That I don't want to root for Tom Brady. I mean, and that was my I life. Have, AFC championship I, I game have, after AFC championship game. Colts go down to stupid Tom Brady or Ben Roethlisberger. I hate those two teams. And, and I have this, I've, I've always had this respect for State Farm. They've always paired up with Green Bay and done <laughs> great commercials. You can talk about the Packers Rogers defense rate. being on commercials, the Rogers rate, the discount double check. There's a long history of it. If you've never seen it, just go to YouTube and look it up. Green Bay Packers State Farm. Before you go now, on to make this point, I'm not going to lie. I don't like uh, Aaron Rodgers in those. He seems so conceited in every one of those videos. It's it's kind of hard for me to watch those. It's hard for him to record them. He He's come out and he's said that those are not the lines he would have chosen to say. Right. Chosen to say. Uh, and they're pre-written for him and he's supposed to do something. And he he's announced that. Yeah. Um, if you watch a few of his interviews with Pat McAfee, you'll get more of a vibe of who Aaron really is. Right. Um, yeah. And I think that's more of an accurate description of who he is as a person. But since I've developed this love for State Farm, I've been thinking about rooting for Patrick Mahomes now that he's also in this State Farm. <laughs> he's the part of the, the State Farm corral there. It, a little a little part of me feels like he's family now. Just some <laughs> hacker's angle. <laughs> yeah. Well, at least here we know this. One of us is going to get this Super Bowl thing right. If you if you're rooting for Kansas City and I'm rooting for Tampa Bay, somebody here is going to get the correct prediction. Yeah. For for my first time, I'm going to root for the AFC. <laughs> I think. And for my I first time, Patrick I'm rooting Mahomes for the NFC. Gonna, I, Actually, it's not my first time. I'm going to root for uh, Patrick Mahomes. And I think I've said pretty clearly I'm going to root for Tom my Brady and the interest, Bucks. My rooting interest in this game is going to be. It involves one person in this game who was a quarterback at Virginia Tech, okay? They currently still have the record for rushing yards by a quarterback at Virginia Tech. You guys know who this is? You probably won't get it. I can say Logan Thomas, but he's on the Redskins. Quarterback the holds of rushing yards. This, Bruce Arians. Oh! The quarterback oh. at Virginia Tech. I think ran some kind of a wishbone type type thing where he's always running the ball he has not michael vick not tarod taylor bruce arians has the record most rushing yards by a quarterback in season for virginia tech yeah he was a quarterback coach for peyton manning and then he came and was the uh offensive coordinator who basically was the head coach while chuck pagano was out with cancer and uh i like bruce although he was also on the pittsburgh steelers who i hate so Mm. i I guess that's a the another reason i can root for the chiefs because andy Reid was a quarterback coach for brett Favre. yep Mm -hmm. He has those Green Bay ties. Everything. Tristan's going to be like, it's another Packers angle. And it really is. We're going head to head on everything here. You're you're yeah, rooting everybody Kansas City. I'm rooting everybody Buccaneers. Crazy. But I'm going for Buccaneers. And as a kid, I was like, all right, whoever, like, it was always whoever plays Tom Brady is the P team I root for no matter what. But now it's shifted to, I don't really like, like, I like players based on their personality and who they are rather than as a player, you know? And I, like notice Tom Brady as like a good personality type of person. And that's why I'm rooting for the Buccaneers, honestly. One of the reasons. It is funny how much when he was younger, I rooted against him and hated him and how something has changed. And I don't know what it is. I'm like, yeah, I respect him. He he is a good guy. You know, before I'm like, I hate him. He's not that great. Everybody thinks he's great. He's not. But I think it's, he's kind of proved to me, hey, Matthew, I don't care what you think. I am great. (laughs) And I'm like, okay. Yeah, okay, sure Tom Brady. Exactly that. He was. Mm-hmm. He was trying to prove it to me. I mean, I know like, this. Matthew, I know you're watching me on your couch right now. <laughs> I'm going to spite you because of this. Yeah. <laughs> like, I can't be mad whoever wins because I, I love Andy Reid as a coach. Like, so if he wins, it's cool. If Tom Brady wins, and of course, Brazilian's getting his first one, it's cool. But I'd like to point out, we're going. I'm going back to the championship for a minute. Um, the last four years, 
a coach of the Reds or a staff of the Redskins the football team has been represented in the NFC Championship game by a team for the last four years. Now, who are these Redskins you're speaking of? I don't know that. No. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, before they were the Redskins, and now they're on a, you know, whatever team they were, but they were as coach of the staff of the Redskins on the football team. Oh, that's right, I guess. <laughs> uh, that would be Sean McVay. Matt, Matt LaFour, Sean McVay, um, Kyle Shanahan, Falcons, offense coordinator. And then uh, Phil Daniels, he was like a executive vice for executive something personnel for the Redskins, like 12, 12, 13 or whatever. He was on the Eagles for the same role. It's know? going to be a super exciting Super Bowl coming up. I'm really looking forward to it. Now, that's not this week, right? Now we get the two-week wait here, right? Yeah, this is the Madden NFL 21 Pro Bowl. <laughs> oh, how can we skip Yay. that? Before we go, we have to talk right. about this. Who's going to win in video game land, AFC or NFC? I don't even I think, know who's playing, to be honest. I think in this situation, it has to be PlayStation or Xbox. What console are they going to use? Have they released that? <laughs> no. I bet it's got to be PlayStation. I just feel like I, it has to be. I think it's going to be Xbox because yeah. that's Microsoft that's tied up with the NFL right now. That very well could be true. true. They, that is true. Yeah. Oh, it'll be I mean, interesting. See, I'm usually someone who can, if I don't, if I really don't even know what I'm talking about, I can kind of try and make up something to just have some analysis, but... I don't know. I don't, I don't care about the regular Pro <laughs> I Bowl. I don't care about this. Care, this yeah. is the off week. Yeah, this this so. is an off week. Are any of you guys going to try and watch any of that competition? No. no. Yes, yeah, I might here. watch some of it to see what exactly they're doing. I'll report to you guys. You report. Oh, yeah. You'll be our man I, with the eyes. Yeah, I can't guarantee I'm going to see more than 10 minutes of it, but I'm going to attempt <laughs> to sit down and at least look at it. There you go. Well, we will have you report back on that next week. Let us know, you know, in the video game, so-and-so was awesome. Yeah, that'd be, you know, you might not even get to see that much, but uh, it's more than I'll see. <laughs> Guys, I'm looking forward to what we have in a couple weeks. I'm excited about the football we just had, as heartbreaking as it could be. And I can't wait to finish up and still continue in this offseason. Thanks for joining us, everybody. 